0: Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I'm going to continue uh, and conclude our series today called The Third person, which is ultimately a series on the Holy Spirit. I trust you've been enjoying it and uh, making the most of the teaching that's been coming our way. Basically, when we put this thought and this series together, it really was to uh, help us understand and experience the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. I believe what is missing in most churches today is not something, but someone and i would say the same is true for families it's not something we think i need a new job i need a new car i need a new sofa i need a new blender i need a new something when actually i think it's someone i believe it's the power and the experience of the third person of the godhead the holy spirit that we need more than anything else and so i believe it's this element that is often neglected by christians today and so we want to who ultimately um, use this time to experience Him and not just learn about Him. I believe we can have knowledge of Him, but not experience Him. And so this series is to awaken something in us. And I trust it's a message that will hopefully help those who are a little bit more on the conservative side. We have some conservative Christians amongst us, and uh, you're very sceptical and cynical when it comes to all things Holy Spirit, because you've seen some weird and wonderful things, and I feel your pain. But I want to stir some of you more conservative believers today. Maybe you watching online and you're a little bit standoffish when it comes to the Holy Spirit because of things you've seen, heard and meetings that you've been involved in. Well, I wanna wanna stir you today. But for those charismatics or charismaniacs who just go to one extreme, uh, we wanna kind of temper you a little bit today and hopefully live in what John Wimber calls the quest for the radical middle. That's what this series is all about. Us having a desire to live in the radical middle. And so a quick recap this morning, um, based upon what we've already heard through pastors Ash and Dan over the last two weeks. The first thing is that uh, he is the third person of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. He's equal to God in every way. Why? Because he is God. In other words, he's not a force. He's not an influence. He's not a style. He's a person. And as we heard last week, He's not the third wheel in the relationship. No one wants a third wheel in a relationship. He's not the third wheel and He's not even the water boy on the team. He's not any of those things. The Father, Son and the Holy Spirit are one God living together in perfect unity. However, they do have different roles that they work in. And the Bible uses some symbolic language to describe Him the Holy Spirit and what He does. The Bible says that He's like water. It doesn't say He is water. The Holy Spirit is not water. He's like water. And if you think about what water does, it cleanses. If you think about what water does, it brings refreshing into our lives. And so there's this symbolic language around the Holy Spirit and what He does to help us understand His ways, His character and His nature. We see that He's like fire. And if you think about what fire does, it brings the heat. It burns out all the rubbish. The Holy Spirit will burn rubbish in our lives. Anyone got some rubbish? Anyone got some junk in their lives that they need burning out? Well, the Holy Spirit has the power to do that. Again, He's not fire. He's like fire. The Bible says He's like a dove. Again, He's not a dove. The Holy Spirit is not a dove. He can be like a dove. And you think of doves, they're peaceful and, and pleasant. And, and it's, a, it's a characteristic of the Holy Spirit as He comes and brings peace into our lives. He has a unique role in the earth today and not only in the earth, but also in our lives. The Holy Spirit has a unique role in our lives and without Him, we live natural lives. But with Him, we can live supernatural lives. And I say supernatural lives, not super spiritual ones because we don't need any more super spiritual Paris We want people to be able to live supernaturally natural and naturally supernatural yeah. lives. And so in order to do that, we've looked at the ways in which He works. In week one, we see that He works in me for salvation. And Ash did a brilliant job in sharing on that. The Holy Spirit works in me to save me by convicting me, regenerating me, baptising me and sealing me. And if you missed any of these messages, please feel free to go online and you can listen to any of those messages that we've shared and heard already. Second week, We see that the Holy Spirit works in me to support me, which is a really encouraging message. The Holy Spirit worked by supporting us, by indwelling us, empowering us, comforting us and interceding for us. Isn't it good to know that we have uh, the Holy Spirit that supports us and helps us in our greatest time of need. Amen. Amen. And so I wanna say thanks to Ash and Dan who've done a great job in uh, kicking off this series and we're gonna conclude it today. So well done to you guys. And today, part three, we're gonna look at He works in me to serve. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say to serve. Fantastic. As I look around the front row there, there's uh, Sophia. It's great to have you with us. They've let you out of New South Wales. You are Corona free, obviously. Thank you. It's great to be with you this morning. which is just awesome. It's great to have you with us. Let's put our hands together for Sophia. Maybe online you can just say, hi Sophia, that'd be just awesome. (laughs) Fantastic. See, the Holy Spirit works with me. I want you to get this. He works with me, for me and through me. I'll say that again. The Holy Spirit works with me, for me and through me. Through me. In other words, He not only wants to do something in us, but He wants to do something through us. He wants to do something in us, absolutely, but He wants to do something in us that He might do something through us. And a great example of that is the life of Jesus Christ himself. And we read in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in the synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom. How's that for thought? Jesus on the Sabbath went to church. Now, if anyone didn't need to go to church, it was Jesus, but Jesus modelled to us the importance of church and it was a regular part of His lifestyle. It was customary for Him to go to the synagogues on the Sabbath. And I believe that should be uh, speaking to us this morning of how important it is that we have a regular routine of getting to church Sunday by Sunday. Why? Because Jesus modelled that To us. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up on the Sabbath, and he went to the synagogue as he was his custom, as I've already said, uh, and he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. Which is another interesting fact that Jesus knew where things were in the Bible, which tells us that he was reading the Bible. Jesus went to church regularly and He was reading His Bible. That's Christianity 101. If you want to be more like Jesus, go to church regularly and read your Bible so that you can get the Word of God in you so that you can know where things are written. Who here knows where John 3.16 is found in the Bible? That was a little bit of a joke anyway. Anyway, let's read on. Jesus said, uh, the Word of God says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor and to set the prisoners free and the recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Isn't that interesting that Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to do. He didn't say the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to feel. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me that I might get goosebumps. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me that I might fall over. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me that we might just play spiritual games. The Bible doesn't record that. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to do something. Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit was on him to do something in his life. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, we see that Jesus did not come to be served, but to to serve. And in order to serve with great effectiveness, we see that Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. In other words, everything that Jesus did, he did as a spirit filled man, not as the Son of God. He laid aside his divinity, picked up his humanity, and in his humanity, he was filled with the Holy Spirit in order to fulfill the ministry call that was upon his life. And if we wanna fulfill the ministry call that is upon our lives, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If we wanna serve people, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because serving people can be tiring. It can be disappointing. And so we need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. And we see that Jesus was a man who was filled with the Holy Spirit and did incredible things as a result. And so as we do that, what can we learn this morning? Three things I wanna highlight very quickly this morning about what we can learn from the Holy Spirit. And the first thing is when it comes to us serving, number one, the Holy Spirit is into filling me so that we are ready to serve. He does it by filling us so that we are ready to serve. In other words, we don't start with serving, we start with being ready. In Matthew 28, we see that Jesus gave this, what we call the Great Commission, to go into all the world and to preach the Gospel and to baptise people in the Name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and make disciples. That was the Great Commission. And Jesus got them all revved up and all excited. But then he said, But before we do that, I mean, they were ready to go there and then. I imagine they're just ready, eating a bit. I mean, you know, Jesus would have been a great motivational speaker. And they're ready to go right there, right there. He says, But before you do that, guys, hey, yep, we're ready, Jesus. What? What do you want us to do? Anything. And he says, Wait. Yeah. I said, Really? Yeah. After that great speech? Yeah. You want us to wait? Yeah. Well, what do you mean by wait? I said, Just, just wait. Because what I'm asking you to do, you can't do in your own strength. Yeah. You, you've got to wait. Before you go, wait. And in Acts chapter 1, verse five, it says, on one occasion, while He was eating with them, this is Jesus, He gave them this commandment, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift which I, you've heard me speak about. For John baptised you with water, but in a few days you'll be baptised with the Holy Spirit. And so that's exactly what the early church did. They waited. They didn't wait for a minute. They didn't even wait for an hour. They didn't even wait for a day. They waited for some 10 days. 10 days they waited. Can you imagine what that would have been like? Like, They don't know what they're waiting for. They don't know how long they're waiting. They're just waiting. Why? Because Jesus said, don't do anything until you have the Holy Spirit come. And in the meantime, just wait. They don't know what they're waiting for. They don't know what it's gonna look like. They don't know what it's gonna sound like. They don't know how long they're in this upper room. They're just, they're just waiting. Yeah. And that's one of the hardest things for us as Christians to do is just wait. Yeah. Yeah. We, we don't like waiting. I mean, if anything like me, you get, a, you get a red light and it's just like, come on, how long is it gonna be red? Well, the promise is, I've never sat at a red light for 10 days. And they're just waiting and they're waiting. And they're waiting. And then we read in Acts chapter 2, this glorious moment where the Holy Spirit comes and fills the disciples' lives. And all that imagery and symbolism of, of tongues of fire and this great rushing wind comes into this upper room and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues. They began to do things they'd never done before. They began to do things you can't do in the natural, such as the power and the importance of the Holy Spirit. And they were filled and they went from that upper room, they went down and they went and stood amongst the people and they found they had a great fire and a great boldness in their lives. And while they were tucked away for 10 days, now they were up in public and they were speaking and Peter spoke the Word of God with great boldness. And he said, this Jesus whom you crucified, which was like, wow. Where did this boldness come from? And we see it's because they were filled with the Holy Spirit and the church grew exponentially. On one day, 3,000 people were added. And as you read through the chapters of Acts, more and more people were added to the church and it's an amazing time of revival. Amazing things were happening because they waited for the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. They were able to do things they were not, or they were previously unable to do prior to being filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's an amazing thing. And not only do they see amazing things, whenever there is amazing things happening, whenever there is good things in God, guess what? There's always opposition. And so not only was the church growing, but there was great opposition and there was great confusion. There was growing pains. People were arguing. The Jews were arguing amongst the Greeks. Uh, The widows were arguing amongst the widows. And so there was that, all that had to deal with that. But then they had this outside opposition where those who were part of the, uh, the community were just rallying and, and the religious community were up in arms about what this early church were doing. And they received great opposition and people being arrested and all these kinds of things were happening. And then in Acts chapter four, we read again this same group of people who had been filled with the Holy Spirit. It says, they were filled again. So what, weren't they already filled? Yes. But here they are being filled again. Yeah. Yes. How does that work? And how is that possible that someone who is filled is filled again? Because we need to be refilled. Not only do we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but we need to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. Do you know why? Because we leak, because we get used. It'd be like when you fill the car up with petrol, you fill it right to the brim. And you get in the car and then you drive it and you use your car and you drive it all day. You might even drive it all week. But eventually over time, guess what happens to the fuel that was once in the tank? It disappears. And if you don't refill your car, you're gonna find yourself stranded. You're gonna find yourself stuck. You're gonna find yourself immobilised. And you can decide in that moment to throw the car away if you want. And unfortunately, that's what we see many Christians do. They throw their faith away. They throw their Christianity away. They throw their church attendance away and conclude that Christianity doesn't work. Christianity works. What doesn't work is you and me without God. That's what's not working. We need more of God. When you find yourself unable to go on, when you find yourself you're unable to continue on, you need more of God. You need to be filled again. Why? Because you've been used. And we see the early church, they poured themselves out. They were getting much opposition and they were tired. They're a little bit weary. Maybe there's a little bit of disappointment set in. And so they need to be filled again to handle some of the disappointments and some of the loss along the way. But not only that, because they wanted to be used again. If you wanna use your car again, you gotta fill it up again. You can't just throw your car away because you've run out of petrol. Wisdom would say, just fill it up again. And you don't wanna throw away your faith. You don't wanna throw away your ministry. You don't wanna throw away your service just because you're a little tired, just because you're a little jaded, just because you're a little bit upset, just because things didn't go your way. No, what you need in that moment is more of God. What we tend to do is go to the wrong people. I'm convinced of this, that most of us have the right conversations, but with the wrong people. And we go to people in our pain and our hurt and we find other people in their pain and their hurt and we feed off each other. And we say, that's right, that's how I feel. And and then we say, we're two or three are gathered there. God is in the midst. No, it's not always God in the midst. Sometimes it's just your pain. Sometimes it's just your disillusionment. We commune around our worry. We commune around our fear. It's not God. I dare say, before we go to people, we should go to God first and get what only He can bring. And we see that's what the early church did. They were filled again. And the reason they wanted to be filled again is so that they could continue to preach the Word with great boldness and great authority and not water down the Word of God not change their theology to suit their circumstance. So many people today change their theology, change their belief because of how their life is working out. But these disciples didn't say that. No, they said, no, we're gonna stick to what we know to be true. And we want more boldness. We want more power. We want more fire. Holy Spirit, come and fill us again. And right throughout the book of Acts, you'll see them being filled again and again and again and again. And in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, Do not be drunk on wine. There's a word for some of you. Some of you watching online, there's a word for you. In this lockdown COVID crazy season, some of you have been drinking more than you should. Do not be drunk on wine. And for those who wanna get cute, beer, gin, vodka, or any other alcoholic (laughs) beverage. It's funny how we get cute. Well, it just says wine. No, God doesn't want us to be filled on those things. And if you do find yourself in that place, it doesn't mean God hates you, it just means He wants the best for you. And you'll never be at your best when you're drunk. You'll never be at your best when you're worried. You'll never be at your best when you're afraid. He wants you to come to Him with all your concerns and all your cares and give those things to Him. And so it goes on to say, Instead, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that word filled means to be filled full. It means to be filled full. You know, you can get a bucket with tennis balls and say it's full of tennis balls. But the reality is there's still lots of room in that bucket. Yeah. Because you could get a handful of marbles and start pouring the marbles in that what was filled bucket. And actually, they actually, you know what, there's a lot more room. And then when you think, wow, with that bucket filled with tennis balls and marbles, now it's filled full. I say, no, it's not. Because I could get some sand and start pouring some sand over that bucket, and you'd find that that bucket would contain and hold a lot of sand. And then you'd say, "Man, now it's filled full." I said, "No, no, I could get some water, and I could start pouring water. And then when that water starts overflowing, I would then say that that bucket yeah. is filled full." Yeah. And Paul is saying, "I want your lives, and our lives should be so filled full with the Holy Spirit, yeah. Yeah. not just partially full, yeah. not just tennis ball filled." Yeah but filled full with His presence. Otherwise, we're gonna fill it with other things. We're gonna fill it with alcohol. We're gonna fill it with gossip. We're gonna fill it with slander. We'll fill it with all these other things because we all crave something from someone. And who better to go to than the third person, the Holy Spirit, who is God to help us. So I wanna encourage you to prioritise time with the Holy Spirit. Prioritise time with Him. Make it part of your daily devotion. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, we see Jesus got up early in the morning. He left the crowds to spend time getting filled, getting right perspective, getting proper perspective. How much of our time is spent giving time to the Holy Spirit to fill us, to wash over us and to give us a heavenly perspective? It's interesting, the disciples said, Jesus, where have you been? All the people are looking for you. He said, I know, that's why I'm here. Because I want to be able to give out of a place of readiness. I want to give out of a place of fullness. I don't want to give out of a place of emptiness. That's where burnout happens. So many people say, I'm burnt out and they blame the church. The church doesn't burn anyone out. We burn out when we don't prioritise time with the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's no different than an engine. If you don't have oil in that engine, it's gonna burn out eventually. We need oil. And the Holy Spirit, again, is like oil that keeps us moving forward, keeps us operating. A good friend of mine, Rob Rufus, said this many, many years ago, and it stuck with me. He says, if your output exceeds your input, then your upkeep will be your downfall. If your output exceeds your input, then your upkeep will be your downfall. Is that not what you see with so many people today? Come on, let's prioritise this time with the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, who wants to make you ready to serve. The Holy Spirit does it by by filling me and by gifting me. And He gifts us so that we are equipped to serve. If I say equipped, ready. so it's not enough just to be ready. Now we need to be equipped. Yeah. Yep. We need to be ready first, but now we need to be equipped. And the Bible talks about gifts. In Romans 12, it talks about what we call administration gifts. Romans 12 talks about administration and leadership and hospitality and generosity, and all those natural gifts. They are gifts from God. All the gifts are gifts from God. But then it also talks in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So Romans 12 is the natural gifts, the administration gifts. And in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about the spiritual gifts. And the spiritual gifts involve prophecy and tongues and interpretation of tongues and faith and healings and all those incredible things. And I wanna say that all the gifts, the natural ones and the spiritual ones are from God. And, And God wants us to use those gifts to serve Him and His purpose. Yeah. In other words, the gifts are not for, you, uh, for us and the glory is not for us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if I have the gift of healing in my life, then who's that actually for? Is it actually for me or is it actually for someone who needs healing? Yeah. So the gift is not for me. The gift is for me to give to someone. Yeah. Yeah, right. The gift is on my life to serve someone. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever I've been gifted with, is actually to give away. Yeah. It's not to say, oh, I've got the gift of healing. Oh, I wish I was like you, I wish I had to. It's not actually for yeah. you. And just like the gift is not for you, the glory is not for you. Because if God gave it to you, why should you get the glory? So the gift is not for you and the glory is not for you. And I think sometimes in Pentecostal, Charismaniac moments, we miss the point. You know, I had had a a moment more recently, and this has happened many times in my life, where I, I, I met a man for the first time, I didn't know his name, I introduced myself and I was just asking him a little bit about himself. And I got this prompt from the Holy Spirit to ask him about his marriage. Now, in that moment, there's a lot of things I can do. I could be the man of God for the hour. I could be the man of the moment. I could say, do you mind um, if, I, if I just let you know what God has just spoken to me about? Because I felt God just uh, say to me, there's something about your, your marriage that's just not quite right. And it's like, it feels good. It sounds good. It's just like, woohoo. But that moment has a lot more to do with me and a lot less to do with helping that guy. The the gift is not for me and the glory is not for me. There's a guy who's in pain. There's a guy who's struggling in his marriage and the Holy Spirit is reminding, he's he's bringing to my attention that I can help. And so you know what I found myself doing? I got to know him. I asked him a few questions. and I just asked him this question. I said, how's married life? Burst into tears. I was able to speak into his life, speak into his marriage, I was able to pray for him, I was able to get to know him. And that's happened in my life over and over and over again. It's a gift, but it's not my gift. It's not for me. It's for those that are in need. And the glory is not for me. And and I want to encourage you, church, the Holy Spirit has given us gifts. And those gifts are not for you. But man, let's use them to serve our community. Whether it's the spiritual ones or whether it's the natural ones, whether it's a gift of administration, use it to serve God. Use it to serve the community. Whether it's a gift of leadership, use it to serve the community. Use it to serve those. And when it comes to our gifts, I would simply say this, that there are the gifts of area that we use in the area of our responsibility and then there's an the area we serve out of our responsibility. And so when it comes to our authority, that's those gifts that God has given us. And when it comes to the gifts that God has given us in discovering what those gifts are, and we're all about that here at Victory Church is helping you discover those gifts. I would simply say this, find what you enjoy doing and do it so well that someone will pay you for it. Can you imagine how much happier place the world would be if everyone found what they enjoyed doing, because I think what God wants us to do is what we enjoy doing. So what do you enjoy doing? And then get really good at it. And then someone paid it, and we call that a job, yeah. which is far better than just getting a job. Yeah. And so this has been true of my life. I remember when I was young, I just, loved, I just loved basically drawing and colouring in. That's what I loved. That's what I excelled in at school. Not maths, not English, not science, not any of the other lessons, but Drawing and colouring I loved. And I thought, I'm just going to get so good at it that someone will pay me to do it. And that's what I did. I actually became a sign writer. That's all I, I was basically drawing and colouring in. And I called it sign writing. I just got good at what I was, uh, enjoyed doing. So what do you enjoy doing? And that becomes something that actually I, I gained authority in. And people actually backed me enough to actually pay me to do it. I would also say the same with leadership. I remember being very young, I used to get so frustrated. I would have a haircut, people would copy me. I would wear a jacket, people would copy me. I hated that, I wanted to copy, stop copying, stop copying. No, actually that's leadership. And I learned to fall in love with leadership. Then I developed that leadership and I'm still developing that leadership gift on my life. And it's what I've been doing for the last 26 plus years in leading and you develop your authority. And I would encourage every one of you to seek God when it comes to the gifts. What do you, what's it you enjoy doing? Work hard enough, get good at it enough yep. in order that someone will pay you for it. I think the world would be a lot better place. Wouldn't it be wonderful if all the teachers were actually called to be teachers instead of it's just a good job? Wouldn't the hospitals be much better if all those who were in the nursing and the doctor's departments were actually called by God nurses, called by God doctors, as opposed to just doing it for a job? Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. And operating out of their authority, their God-given authority, because that's what they're called to do. So we operate out of our God-given authority. But not only do we operate out of our God-given authority when it comes to the gifts, but also we have to operate out of our responsibility and that's the area of need. And when it comes to church, we operate out of our authority. So for me, I do what I'm doing now. This is what I'm paid to do. This is where my authority lies. This is my job. Leading this church, the senior pastor of this church is my job. But if there's a piece of paper that I see, it's my responsibility to pick it up. Yeah. It's not my authority, it's not, I'm, not, I'm not on the team, but actually we have responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. And we have responsibility to one another. We have KidGo coming up. We're, uh, we're bringing back KidGo and I know there's a lot of volunteer help needed. You might say, well, oh, that's not my responsibility. That's not, what I, that's not my uh, area of expertise. Yeah? But we need your help. Yeah. We, we need help. And so I think of Jordy. Prior to her getting married, she was living in her home and she's studying psychology. And, and for Jordan, she'll be an incredible psychologist by gifting. She thinks a certain way, she cares a certain way, she feels a certain way, she sees a certain way. And psychology is just going to be like a hand in glove fit for her. That's going to be the air of her authority. But while she's learning and getting better at it so someone will pay her to do it, guess what? She has a responsibility to the family. And so she has jobs to do. One's authority, one's responsibility. And every one of us, if this is your church home, if this is your church family, we have a responsibility to one yeah, another. Yeah. We shouldn't be uh, at hoc when it comes to filling rosters and filling spots because actually, you know what? It may not be my, kids may not be my thing, but actually if there's an area of need, I'll, I'll fill it for a season. Yeah. Yeah. I believe one of the reasons God's opened doors to me is because for four years I served in kids and for seven years I served in youth. None of those were my call. It was just there was a need yeah. Yeah. and I have a responsibility to being part of the body of Christ. I was getting blessed with great messages from our pastor. I was getting blessed with the covering of the church and, and so I have a responsibility to that. And so when it comes to the gifts of God, we operate out of our authority and our responsibilities. Is that helpful? Does it make sense? Yes, and the last one is simply this, as a band come up, that'd be fantastic. Number three, the Holy Spirit um, moves in a way that He is leading me so that we have confidence to serve. Yeah. So we have confidence. So that we have confidence, say confidence. We wanna be ready to serve. We wanna be equipped to serve, but now we wanna be confident. And the way we gain confidence is through his leading. I remember a couple of years ago, we went to New Zealand as a family and uh, we had Jordan's boyfriend, now husband, on the journey and he's a bit of an outdoorsman and and, uh, he was kind of really keen to do some adventurous things and my wife really wanted to go check out the glowworms. Now, if you're really keen to see the glowworms in New Zealand, I'd say save your money personally. But anyway... (laughs) (laughs) But we all said yes, and uh, there was a few things that involved. One was a canoe, which isn't really my thing, but we're in this canoe. And one, it meant canoeing for a long period of time, which again is not really my thing, but we did it. And we're getting wet, and, and, and it's all this. And the other thing, to see the glowworms, it can't be daytime, it's got to be nighttime. So we, we, we canoe down the river until it's dark. I mean, we, I, felt like, I felt like we canoed for like, I don't know, miles and miles and miles. Anyway, so we just kept just paddling and paddling and paddling. Uh, The consolation to the whole thing is that we had a guide. Without that guide, we would have literally been up the creek without a paddle. And the only confidence I had was the fact that the guide was taking us to where the glowworms were, which meant he could bring us home safe and sound eventually. And it was a great time and I loved it and uh, got lots of good stories uh, about that particular time. But the confidence came, not in my ability to canoe, not in my ability to know where the glowworms were, but the fact that there was someone leading us. And that's the role of the Holy Spirit. His role is to lead you. That's what He does. And the good news is, as Dan mentioned just last week, we're not alone. The Holy Spirit is right here, right now, with each and every one of us. And in John chapter 16, and I often refer to this passage of Scripture, and I love what it says in verse 12 in the message translation. It says this, I still have many things to tell you. This is Jesus speaking. He says, but you can't handle the truth. So Jack Nicholson was right. You can't handle the truth. He says, you can't handle it now. But get this beautiful language. But when the friend comes, Can you see the trinities? Can you see the unity amongst the Godhead? It's not like, we'll send you the water boy, the younger brother. No, no, when the friend comes, the spirit of truth, he'll take you by the hand and he'll lead you into all the truth that there is. This is a picture of the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do in your lives. And I'm grateful that the Holy Spirit has taken me by the hand. And I've made many good decisions and more importantly, many God decisions because of His leading, His guiding and His directing. I remember way back when I was asked to start a church by our pastor at the time. I just remember something on the inside of me going off like a fryer cracker, just knowing like I know, like I know, like I know, like I know, this is our next step. If you said to me, what about when you say, after you say yes, then why? I don't know. Because when the Holy Spirit takes your hand, it's one step at a time. He'll lead you into truth. Some of you sit there, I'll believe in God if I know this and this and this and this and this. You won't, you'll get freaked out. I'm so glad the Holy Spirit has not revealed to me all the truth because I'm not ready for it. I think back to when I was 15 years of age, started my apprenticeship, I was loving doing what I was doing. If you told me at 15 that in a, short, a few short years, nine years from now, you're gonna be planning a church, I'm like, what? Kill me now. I didn't want it that at that time. But it's little by little, one step at a time, the Holy Spirit takes us by the hand and leads us into truth. And if I'd known everything I was about to face through being in church leadership, I would have said no but the Holy Spirit didn't reveal all that because yeah. I couldn't have handled it. Yeah. So is it. just All I need you to do is say yes right now. Because I say, yeah, we'll do the church thing. Yeah. The problem is when we're connected with the Holy Spirit, but we want to lead. Yeah. And I feel a lot of Christians, their experience of the Holy Spirit is this. They're, they're close, but they're trying to lead Him. And one thing I know about the Holy Spirit, He gives us what we need not always what we want. And He's led me into circumstances, situations, conversations that I'd rather have not had. But I'm so grateful I had those because it's opened up my next step. And my prayer is that through this series, we would not only get to know, but get to appreciate the Holy Spirit more. And we'd let Him take the reins of our lives. We let Him take our hand and lead us into all that He has for us. Because that's His plan and that's His purpose for our lives. Maybe right now the Holy Spirit's saying to you, water baptism. You say, what about after that? I don't know, I don't know if I want... No, no, just be obedient to the next step. You can't handle the truth, just, just be obedient to the now truth. Maybe saying, I want you to go over that person and just apologise, you know you need to, just do it. No, I'll clean the toilets, I'll do this, I'll do, no, 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 I don't need, that's later. Just now, just just apologise. It's amazing what we'll do to get out of what we need to do. Remember when our kids were much younger, I said, clean your room. And I I didn't say, be nice to your mother. Oh, mom, you're amazing, you're the best mother. No, 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 I didn't say that, I said, clean the room. Holy Spirit takes us by the hand. And I trust and pray that through this three week period, and what we've learned or been reminded about the Holy Spirit, that He gives us the greatest passion, greater love for Him and the role that He plays in our lives. Tonight, we wanna open our meeting up just to a little bit of waiting time for the Holy Spirit to come. Because I believe there are many people, particularly through this COVID season, where there's tiredness, where there's been panic, fear, worry, the what ifs, Job is coming to an end. Maybe you're fearful about that. I, I don't know. But what I do know is instead of going to everyone and worrying about everything and having conversation about everything, yeah. the best person yeah. and the first person yeah. Right. Yeah. to yeah. go to yeah. should be Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, In fact, like we call Him the Holy Spirit, but really He's Holy Spirit. Yeah. We don't say the Jesus. We don't go to the Jesus. This is go to Jesus. We go to Holy Spirit. Because that's His name. That's who He is. Yeah. Don't go to the damn. Like we go to the Holy Spirit. Now I'm not going to get on technicality on that one, but but I think it personalizes it. I know the Holy Spirit loves you. He wants the best for you. He wants to lead you to salvation. And maybe today you've learned something. The Holy Spirit works in us to serve. And he does that by filling us, by gifting us, and by leading us. Here's my question as we conclude to all those online listening in, how good is your serve? How good is your serve? Maybe in order to improve our serve, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit or maybe just refilled. Maybe we need to discover our purpose. Maybe we just need to let Him lead. Whatever it is, I believe the Holy Spirit is here present. To minister and to speak with every one of you. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.